welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Colin, would you want to come and speak to us? Let's give Colin a warm round of applause. Thank you. you. So, Father, we thank you. (laughs) Thank you for calling, Lord. Father, we pray that you will come and bless us this this morning, Lord, through his word, Lord. I pray his tongue will be loosened to speak your word, Lord. And our hearts will be open to receive your word, Lord. I pray there will be great joy in our hearts as we hear your truth spoken this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. John D. Rockefeller started the Standard Oil Company, and at one point he was the world's richest man and the first ever American billionaire. Considering he was a billionaire in the early 1900s, He probably was considered as the richest man in modern history. When a reporter asked him how much money is enough, he responded, just a little bit more. Um, I read another thing from the Forbes 400 riches list. And it was given, they did a survey. And uh, their satisfaction was rated at exactly the same level as did the people of the Maasai of Kenya, Inuit people of northern Greenland, who had no electricity or running water. So that's probably the type of question they were asked. But satisfaction, what is enough? What actually brings you uh, that... uh, that, that thing. It uh, reminded me of uh, a few years ago when uh, we were looking at our house and thinking, wouldn't it be great to have a, uh, a kitchen diner extension? So, found enough money and put on this really, in my opinion, excellent dining extension with a big kitchen. It was just fabulous. And uh, I then went to my brother's house, who had done exactly the same. And he had managed to design it, so he had a settee in it as well. And I went back and tried to figure out if I could do this. And without a massive re-engineering, it wasn't going to work. And what started with perfection for me, actually then started to get... Every time I saw it, I thought... What if? I then went on holiday into a, a cottage near Ludlow, and uh, there there was this fabulous wood burner, actually, at the end of this uh, kitchen diner, living room, big wood burner. And uh, just for Christmas, it was, in fact, we go there every year now. And uh, I thought, wow, if I only had a wood burner. <laughs> in this kitchen extension. 
And, uh, and then I realized my brother had managed to do that as well. <laughs> a year or two passed, kids all left home, all grown up. So let's downsize. So me and my wife downsize and uh, freed up a bit of money and uh, thought to myself, okay, let's buy a house where we can have another go at this. And did, perfect. And even got south-facing. So, big kitchen, well, what, kitchen extension, wood burner, two settees. <laughs> I was sitting there watching the television and then this... <laughs> What is that? It's the washing machine. Of course, I hadn't been sitting down watching a television in my other house to know that that washing machine was so noisy. So the next day, I went and measured up outside. Can I put an extension on the side (laughs) as a utility room to put the washing machine in? You know? What is enough? (laughs) Okay? Have you ever been like that? What is enough? It's like buying a car and then someone else, you get in another car and you think, oh, I sat now. Why did I not just get the next one up? You know? And um, Psalm 23 verse 1 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. (laughs) the Lord is my shepherd I have all I need that is in such contrast to the way we sometimes think you know that actually we think that a bit more Rockefeller is all I need I actually went and bought a new washing machine in the end. The quietest one. I went online. I found the quietest one that you could buy. Still makes a bit of noise. But do you understand? You just keep trying to move it on, don't you? And, uh, but the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. Spurgeon says this about this verse. Whatever the believer's position... They are even now under the pastoral care of Jehovah. The words that follow are the logical uh, follow-on from the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. If the Lord is your shepherd, then you have all that you need. And uh, I want to look at this psalm. And uh, I was going to preach on the presence of God from Moses, but felt... I wanted to do um, this psalm instead. But the reality is, this is all about the presence of God. Okay? This is all about God with you. And sometimes we can think of the presence of God in kind of worship meetings, in uh, times when we're in a corporate prayer meeting gathering. But actually... David here understood that the presence of God was all that he needed in every situation. And so, the Lord is my shepherd, it is all I need. Jesus kind of picks up these kind of 
thoughts when he, he says this. So don't worry about these things. Say, what will we eat? <laughs> what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But the Heavenly Father already knows all you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifice his life for his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. I do not want. That is a faith statement. That is a theological statement. It's a statement because God is good. It is all about God, but it's also a faith statement. Because if we are not in faith for that, then actually we're in faith for the next washing machine. (laughs) We're in faith for what I can figure out is going to be the next thing that I need to provide. Well, that's why Jesus said, don't worry. Because you see, if you're not in faith for what God is going to provide, if you're not in faith that God is a good shepherd, and a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, then actually your focus is on yourself and actually what you can do. And the reality is life is too complicated, too difficult, too short, and got too many pressures and too many interferences and too many other people dictated that if the Lord isn't your shepherd, it is impossible. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. I was. Uh, we have a gift day twice a year at uh, CCM at, at Manchester Church. Uh, I help lead there, and uh, always try to save up for the next one. And the last one, I was struggling to uh, find what I I wanted to put in, and then I got a a text message uh, from a person that I've known a few years ago. He said, Colin, I saw you in a dream and felt God wanted to bless you with his generosity and provision and let you know that he's not limited to your income. And you see, I was thinking of myself, I also sent you a gift of 500 quid. And uh, I effectively realized that actually the Lord is my shepherd, you know, and uh, even for money to give away. And it just made me think, not limited. That's the words that I kind of underlined. God is not limited to you and what you can do. It's interesting. Paul says this. Not that I have ever in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live in almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So when the Lord is our shepherd, 
It also is contentment. If the Lord is our shepherd, then we're content with what he has given us. And my story was all about (laughs) non-contentment. My story was like the next thing would give me total contentment. But the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. But it's not just food and drink. It says this in verse 2. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. You guys live in the countryside here. You understand that when you're a townie, like I am, you go for peaceful streams on holiday. <laughs> okay? You, I don't know where you go for your holidays, but because uh, you've got it every day. So it seems to me it feels like a bit of a, a holiday story, this. It's almost kind of not romantic, but do you know what I mean? It's kind of got uh, something that doesn't feel like normal life for a townie, okay? Normal for you guys here in Butlock. But the reality is he wants to look after us. That's what he's basically said. He leads us beside peaceful streams. Last year, I was off work for six months with mental health issues. I had depression. Um, over years, I've had little bits, but never, ever really got to me. And um, uh, just before Christmas, a year and a bit ago, I just ended up at the doctor. I thought to have a week or two off. Didn't start work again till the summer, effectively, properly. And I'm probably still only 80% uh, of what uh, I uh, was. Lots of people have mental health issues. It's a big, big issue uh, for many, and it may even be for people here. You know, God loves you and loves me even when we're going through those situations. And uh, he lets me rest in green meadows. And I understood more and more that actually God was letting me rest, letting me sort myself out. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths. Matthew Henry says this, God makes his saints lie down. He gives them quiet and contentment in their minds. Whatever their lot is, their souls dwell at ease in him and makes every pasture green. The Lord is my shepherd. This is about the presence of God being with us. The Lord is our shepherd. I have all I need. Elijah understood this beautiful provision of rest, presence, and food and need. When after a massive victory, he then got scared of the queen who was going to kill him and basically ran away in massive depression and thought the world was collapsing. It says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba in a town of Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling 
all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. That is a man with serious depression. (laughs) I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. (laughs) He's a great prophet, a massive prophet. A prophet who's seen some amazing victories, heard God, seen storms come, (laughs) seen no water. Do you know, I mean, it's like he's seriously a major figure in the Bible, and yet he's lying down saying, can I die? Then, as he was lying down and slept on the broom tree and sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked up around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Isn't God good? You know, here's... A prophet who's running away from the purposes of God. (laughs) He's depressed. He's fearful. He's just basically saying, I've had enough. I don't know if you've ever said that. I've had enough. You might not have said, I want to die. But some of you probably have. And, uh, you know, an angel touches him. And often in that situation, we would want to give counsel, (laughs) encouragement, maybe a rebuke if we're not the wisest person in the whole world. But do you understand what I mean? We would want to say something. What the angel knew this is what that guy needed more than anything else was some food. He hadn't eaten. And you do that. Sometimes you just give up. So he laid a table next to him. (laughs) He gave him some food. Isn't God good? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. You see, and all he needed at that moment was some bread and some water. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more. Or the journey ahead of you will be too much. So he got up and ate and drank. You know, this angel of God wanted to make sure that Elijah was totally physically sorted. Don't worry about what you'll eat or buy what you wear. Your father in heaven knows you need all these things. And then he said this, go up and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a gentle whisper. You see, the Lord is our shepherd. We have all we need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful 
streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. This is the presence of the Lord. Not in a meeting, but in a battlefield, in a daily life, in our normal lives, with our kids, with our parents, with our jobs. The Lord is our shepherd. I pray more and more for the presence of God. I want to know his presence more and more. I tell you this, when I really do need his presence, when I'm in these situations, God is with us. And then it says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of death, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You know, if you go to a funeral, these words are often said, aren't they? One commentator says this, these are not for the dead, but for the living. <laughs> okay? These words are not for the dead, but they're for each one of us who's breathing this morning, which hopefully is all of you. Okay? So whatever we're facing, whether it is the challenge of death, or we're going through mental trials like I was, which felt a bit like death. God is with us. Even though I walk through the valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your presence is there, and it's the presence of God we need. Knowing the presence of God. And you know, Sometimes it can be a million miles apart knowing the presence of God in a meeting and knowing the presence of God in a battle. Do you know? It can be like light years. The presence of God in a worship time, in the gathering of the people, and feeling the presence of God when we're on our own, facing the valley of death. And my prayer is God help us that we are consistent, that we know His presence. And then actually there will be death. And until Jesus comes again, that is one thing that is predictable. <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's one thing. You know, I'm sixty three and I'm thinking, well, I'm a bit closer now than I was a few years ago or even a few minutes ago, you know? Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, Paul says, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? So actually, there will be the presence of God in an almighty, wonderful way at that moment. But it says this, that his rod and staff, um, uh, let me, yeah, your rod and your staff will protect and comfort me. You know, that actually, it's not, when I say just his presence, I, I, 
I almost feel bad in saying that because the presence of God is everything. <laughs> so, Miss, forgive my kind of uh, kind of weak grammar, knowing not knowing all the correct words. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is this: it's not just feeling and knowing God's presence there; it is actually knowing that His rod and His staff are there to protect you. Do you understand? That is not there to make you feel good, but actually is there as your protector. God is a mighty God, the Lion of Judah, the victory. And David, who wrote this psalm, knew what it was like to be the good shepherd. He said, I fought lions and I fought bears. And... uh, you know, he's, and so he understood that he could protect the sheep, and if and he was using that metaphor to understand that God's rod and His staff protect us. Sometimes we don't link the presence of God with the protection of God. Do you know that actually God is there as our protector? And then goes on to say this, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. It's an amazing thing here that actually in the midst of pressure, we have this beautiful illustration of God preparing a feast. There's an anecdotal thing about Drake when the Armada was coming up the channel, the big Spanish uh, galleons full of soldiers ready to invade England, our little boats and uh, Navy. Drake was one of the main guys there. He was playing bowls, anecdotally it said, and was told the Armada was coming. And uh, everybody thought he would leave the bowling ring and go. He said, no, 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 no. Let's finish our game first. And as I think of that, and a kind of calmness in that, and I say it's anecdotal, I guess, but it's like preparing a feast. Do you know? It, it, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? It's like, come on, let's have the roar of the lion of Judah at <laughs> this moment. You prepare a feast in the presence of my enemies. There's something about this. And I think Tyndale says this about this. In the Old Testament world, to eat and drink at somebody's table was to create a bond of mutual loyalty. So can you see... That it wasn't just like it was with Elijah that God was providing food and sustenance for someone who was desperately hungry. But there's something here about the mutual bond and loyalty. It was like, he's my brother, he's my friend. That's what God is saying. You are my friend. And as they're eating together, as the table's prepared. <coughs> We're in this together. 
N.T. Wright says this, most writers agree that eating with sinners was one of the most characteristic and striking marks of Jesus' regular activity. Jesus was, as it were, celebrated his Messiah banquet and doing it with all the wrong people. This whole thing that Jesus ate with people because he wanted them to know, you're my friend. You're okay. You know, when you're in a battle, when you get depression, when things are against you, sometimes you lose perspective of where God is in this. And what does God think about it? And I tell you this, it's even worse if you know you're in that situation because of a stupid mistake you've made or something you haven't said right. Do you so you can be in a situation where you're recriminating, you're self-analyzing, you're going, what if? Have you ever said that? <laughs> what if I didn't do this? I wouldn't be here. And then you get a wrong perspective of God. Because you might believe the Lord is your shepherd, but you're wondering, is he still my shepherd today? Because it's my fault I'm here. Have you, have you ever gone through that? Or is it just me? <laughs> just me. The Lord is my shepherd. And so this meal is a meal of brotherhood. It's a meal of loyalty. Do you understand? It's like whatever the reason that you're here, the Lord is your shepherd. We're going to break bread together. I am with you in this. That is great news. I'm always staggered. I probably use this illustration more than most. And I don't know why, but when Abraham lost a bit of faith when he was living in the land of Canaan, there was famine in the land. And he thought, I'm going to go down to Egypt God had promised him the land. The Lord was his shepherd. But he chose to go down to Egypt to find some food. As he's going there, he looks at his wife and thinks, my, she is very pretty. Pharaoh will want her as his wife. He will probably kill me. I know what, I will tell him a kind of half-truth. He's, she's my sister. And there was a bit of, you know, when you went through the kind of history, it was a bit of a truth, but it wasn't the truth. You know, I wonder what he's thinking when Pharaoh took her in. He's in a battle now. He's in a battle in his mind. And then Pharaoh... It all goes wrong for him. And in the end, Pharaoh puts it back to Abraham. <laughs> and basically gets Abraham to tell the truth. You see, at this moment, if I'm Abraham, I'm making all the recriminations. <laughs> it's my fault we're down in Egypt. It's my fault that my wife went into Pharaoh's home and caused God to be displeased with it. And you know... My thinking is, 
Abraham needed to suffer something. <laughs> More than he's just suffering. But you see, the Lord was his shepherd. And actually, Pharaoh let them go out. But what is amazing grace is they went with more than they went in with. Pharaoh gave him provision, gave him animals. I mean, isn't that absurd? Isn't that kind of counterintuitive? The Lord is our shepherd. Even when we're in the valley of death, he basically breaks bread with us. That's what grace is all about. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That is a salvation song. It's a daily song. (laughs) It's a daily song. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Oil was for kings and princes and prophets. In the midst of an enemy, in the midst of my depression, in the midst of fear, this table of bond, of fellowship, and you're okay. And then anoints my oil. We're priests, kings. Of the almighty God. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. I love that translation. (laughs) Sometimes we've got follow me, isn't it? Follow, pursue. But pursue, you see, there's something amazing about being pursued, isn't there, by God? (laughs) It's like when you're in the valley of the shadow of death. You think sometimes, like Elijah, you're walking away from God. And that brings all the recriminations in your head of conflict. It's my fault. And yet, God pursuing Elijah with an angel to actually give him sustenance so that he could talk with him. The Lord pursues us. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I want. Is it great? Hey, this is for the living. This, it's not for the dead. The dead have got the Lord. <laughs> this is for us. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The presence of God. Lord, I want to pray for your presence. Lord, David said after he'd sinned, don't take your presence from me. And he could write this beautiful psalm about your presence. Surely, goodness and mercy. Lord, when Moses wanted to know your presence, you said the goodness, the graciousness will pass before you. And Lord, I'll want to pray now wherever we are in life and even if we're facing death I want to pray that you will be very real to us 
The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need.